Welcome to Talk is Sheep, a podcast by the Wild Sheep Society of British Columbia. Join us as we cover conservation updates, tips and tricks to campfire chats. Hey buddy, episode 21. Am I keeping you awake or what? I noticed that you're a little yawny. Uh, you know, we, we just finished recording Miranda, and I noticed the odd yawn in there. And it certainly wasn't oh, the content, because this was a bloody No, this was awesome. Yeah, she's a firecracker, yeah, got, eh? A lot of fun. Yeah. you got an eight-year-old daughter that you, you know all about having young kids, so that, that just wears you right out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. no doubt. So, yeah, on this one, we have uh, Miranda Sparks. So Miranda is one of our life members of the Wild Sheep Society of BC, and... Um, the past couple of years, I've been following her uh, longbow journey. She went to the Worlds in that, uh, 2017, uh, did well. But in 2019, she finished second in the Worlds, uh, team shooting the longbow. So, um, you know, very accomplished archer. Somebody that got into it kind of a little bit later, didn't do it as a, a kid, and then uh, picked up a bow a few years ago. And obviously, she's got a, a talent for it and just cr- crushing at the world. So, um, What yeah. an incredible story, though. Like. From, from somebody who just picks up a bow in 2015 to be a number two in the world in four years, like, holy, Absolutely. I can't even imagine that kind of dedication and that kind of natural, nat, natural talent. Like just, wow. I like, I shoot a compound bow and I'm 35 yards comfortable to within the size of a pie plate. Like I couldn't imagine just something like that. That's insane. Yeah. She said they're shooting out to 30 meters. Hey, so that's a pretty significant, yeah. uh, shot with a long bow it's one thing like you yeah. said with the compound uh fixed sights and the whole works right but there she is you know just hey let's just guess at this one you know like it's phenomenal the judgment that's required for that so, yeah that's that's pretty nuts. phenomenal so so yeah, for sure with with her story let's let's do a bit of a giveaway okay so i i know we didn't discuss this beforehand but here surprise i had an idea um okay Let's give away a shirt. Let's give away some uh, Wild Sheep branded merchandise to somebody who can email us at communications at wildsheepsociety.com. When she was up for the last shot in the worlds, she was told all she needed to do was hit the target. What was her final score? What did she get? Okay. I think that'll get people listening pretty close. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Because we do make a point sure. of asking her. We do make a point of asking her. So, communications at wildsheepsociety dot com. Sounds perfect. Surprise contest. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So great episode with Miranda. Uh, just a couple updates on the wild sheep side of things. Um, our wild sheep raffles are almost sold out. Uh, we are four different uh, prize packages for twenty one. 2021 are wrapping up. We've got a little bit left on the antelope, a little bit left on the grizzly bear. I think by the time we air this, they'll be sold out. But um, we have a brand new set of um, raffles coming out. Um, yeah, we can't announce it yet because we haven't got the uh, 
the green light on it, but uh, we'll be releasing that very shortly. And um, in terms of the uh, the smaller raffles that we have online at wildsheepstudy.com forward slash raffle, um, our Stone Glacier sold out the uh, life member uh, raffle, the antelope hunt with the free Yeti mug uh, sponsored by Yeti. That's uh, almost gone. I think we got about 25 tickets. I'm guessing by the time we air this, it'll be sold out. And uh, and then we got a couple new ones coming out. So we got uh, a Rocky Mountain rifle um, that we have up on um, for raffle. That's uh, now available. Get some tickets on that. The last one sold out in 24 hours. So uh, yeah, you don't want to lose one on that one. That was yeah. nuts. Yeah, phenomenal. So uh, our big bore uh, rifle raffle. Thanks to Don Lynham. Uh, yeah, fantastic. People just were. Yeah, manic about getting tickets on that one. So, yeah, pretty cool opportunity. So that told us we need to get another one out. So we got another rifle raffle um, that's Absolutely. going to be live here uh, very shortly. Um, yeah, just a couple things. Every we sing- had some tech. Every single the, the, the cool the, the cool thing to mention about these raffles, Kyle, is that every single dollar stays here in British Columbia, right? Uh, what was the what was the total last year for for on the ground? It was two hundred and seventy thousand dollars of our own money or something. Yeah, that was wild sheep money through what we put together through our member support, $270,000 yeah. on the ground. And this year is going to be higher we, thanks we, to the support. Yeah, exactly. We it, it, And it's not just uh, counts or anything that this money goes to. It's it's property acquisitions. Like we picked up uh, Granby, right? Like that's that protects over, what, 300 acres or something in, in perpetuity. Like, And there's Sarah-listed animals there. It's not just about wild sheep, which is our mandate, but there's things from rattlesnakes to to badgers on this property and that's that's where this money goes so it's huge the support that we get and uh yeah just we want to do so much more absolutely steve yeah well said yeah hundred seven thousand dollars in, in uh wild sheep and member money that was uh spent on that granby acquisition so a, a huge shout out to our members that collaborated with us on that and uh, stepped up to the plate and made that uh, acquisition happen so fantastic uh, so just on this episode, some tech issues, um, just uh, internet connectivity uh, seems to be, you know, I'm doing a bunch of Zoom calls lately and it just seems to be a problem. I don't know if it's because everyone's online these days or what the issue is, but uh, there are a few tech issues there. We're working on our best to do the best we can for audio quality, but you may hear a few things. We got our master audit, um, editor, uh, Steve, working out the bugs, but uh, you may hear a few uh, <laughs> issues on this call. So, Yeah. Yeah, we'll get them um, so sorted, though. Anything else, Steve, uh, before we're off to episode 21? Everybody in BC, if it's this cold snap isn't done by then, holy crap, stay warm. Minus 41 with the wind here. What yeah, an insane, absolutely. insane change we've had. Yeah, it's so, amazing. All good. I got some editing today, right. don't I? Yeah, absolutely. Episode 21, Miranda Sparks. Uh, thank you so much, Miranda, and enjoy the show. This is a good one. You're going to enjoy it. Across Canada and throughout the world, if you come across a campfire in the woods, on a mountaintop, or next to a river, you'll find warm company and friendly people gathered around. Regardless of your lifestyle or place you call home, we invite you to learn more about what it means to be a hunter in the modern era. If you love the outdoors, care about where your food comes from, and are concerned for the future of wildlife and the environments that they need to survive, pull up a seat. We have a story to tell. Welcome to our campfire. Good morning, Miranda. How's things with you? Hello. Things are really good over here. Nothing Fantastic. too exciting. It's really quite cold. I think it was minus 27 at my house this morning. <laughs> yeah, we were perfect talking Perfect morning that. for shooting, hey? <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so are you, you're up in, are you, you're in Kamloops this morning, I guess, eh? Yeah, currently in Kamloops. Yeah, I live in Logan Lake, though. A little bit colder up yeah. there than it is in Kamloops. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Well, thanks for taking the time this morning to uh, to chat with us. Really appreciate it. Um, you're a life member of the Wild Sheep Society, BC. Um, and I've known you for a few years through our shows and stuff. And uh, always enjoy uh, our conversations. And I, I've kind of been following your story through social when I, after I first <laughs> met you and learned your story a little bit. And uh, I've always felt it very interesting. You're a very uh, accomplished shooter. And so we'd love to have you on the show here today and just uh, kind of hear your story and hear what's going on in the world of um, 3D archery. So, Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you for saying I'm an accomplished archer. It's a compliment for sure. Well, I think uh, you have a hard time arguing that you're not considering that you've uh, been to the worlds a couple times and uh, <laughs> happen to be the second best in the world. So, um, yeah, I think uh, you have a hard time arguing otherwise. So, um, well, well, cool. So, hey, Miranda, do you mind just... Uh, telling us your story kind of like um from my understanding you were kind of a you know you got into the archery world a little bit later it wasn't something you started out as a little kid it was kind of you met a friend later on and and um you, you grew into the sport kind of thing so can you talk a little bit about your you know your early beginnings your your family life mm -hmm. you know was there any influence whatsoever in the archery world or um outdoor world or any of that stuff um not really i mean Growing up, I have three sisters, um, and then obviously my parents, we would go um, camping, like little camp trips and stuff, but it was never like anything majorly outdoorsy. Um, so I kind of got into that later in life based on like my friend group, um, and then who like I'm currently dating is very avidly into it. So obviously I've kind of stepped up lately um, more into it, um, but I never really done any archery before I kind of went out on my own and did it. Um, I think... When did I, I pick up archery? I want to say it was either 20, I think it was 2015. I started actually shooting competitive, uh, competitively. Um, obviously I started with practice that first year and then I guess 2016 is when I really like head, head and feet, like full into it of, uh, competitive shooting. And uh, I, I got into it. I was working in OCS at the time at the, uh, visitor center there. And there's this guy that came in one day. And he was asking for a list of accommodations for uh, places in all of Reno Sears. And I didn't, he, I asked him why he needed this list. Um, and the target provincials were being held in Oliver. So we needed a list of accommodations for all the competitors to come and stay in. And the guy, his name's Brock Payton. He runs the archery range in Osius. And he is just such a talker. And he just convinced me to come up to his archery range. I've never tried it before. Never thought about trying it before. He just convinced me to come up to his archery range uh, one evening that they're doing like a club club night um and then I made my sister come with me because I didn't want to do it by myself and then uh yeah so I started shooting I'd go to every uh, all of their club nights and then I was living in Karameas and I drive to see every day for work so before work I'd stop at the archery range and shoot sometimes on my lunch breaks I'd go and shoot or like after work driving home I'd go and shoot so it was a lot of practice to in that first year especially to get to the competitions because he he's been on the world team so he kind of gave me a taste of what it what he's been through and how I could get into it as well so pretty much just started practicing that began my whole life <laughs> and uh yeah and then I started doing competitions in 2016. Oh that's fantastic so you said was that 2015 I missed it um was that the first year you picked it up or was it before that? Yeah it was uh March of 2015 was the first time I really I mean you do it in school like a little PE um whatever act mm. 
whatever in the yeah in school you do it through through this little programs but i've never actually really done gotten serious about it or picked up anything archery wise before that well that's fantastic so like in your youth was there any other shooting sports like uh you know any rifles or like shotguns or you know even i don't know kids toys nothing or was there any because <laughs> obviously you no. know to, to elevate yourself on the world stage like that obviously must have had a bit of a You've, you've got a skill set there that is unique, right? Like most people <laughs> yes. don't pick it up and then elevate to that level in that period of time. So, so nothing it really. Was, weird, uh, right? No, it was definitely untapped potential I had, I guess, when I was growing up. <laughs> wow. Never did anything with it, to be honest. And yeah, I just picked up in 2015 and that's just, I just went all into it. So I guess that's how I got there. <laughs> nice. Yeah, for sure. So, so you started in March of 2015. Now um, your progression has been really quick. Um, You've gone to the world's uh, in two different uh, experiences. You went 2017, 2019. Talk about your journey, like 2015. So you started shooting, picked up the bow, um, obviously inspired by Brock. Um, that was a big part of it. So you went there the first time. And you went, um, were you good at it, right? Like the very first time? Did you pick it oh, up? Oh, gosh. Like, hey, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I um, So I started, my Brock uh, shot a longbow. So then in turn, I just kind of picked up a longbow because that's what he had to teach me with. Um and then 2015, I went to, like, throughout the province, they do um, multiple, like, 3D fun, family fun shoots throughout the summer. Um, so I went to a lot of those with uh, Brock and a couple other people. And I just met everyone in the archery world. Um, kind of just did a lot of practicing going to these uh, family fun shoots. And then 2016, uh, well, to, to make the world team, you have to... Well, in 2017, sorry, they've changed it now. But in 2017, to make the world team, you had to do four to six, like, registered, regulated shoots. Um, so that would be a provincial shoot done by the BC Archery Association or a national shoot done by Archery Canada. And then once you get your scores from that, you have to submit them to Archery Canada, apply to be on the team. And then based on your scores, um, you could, you may or may not make the team. So in 2016, I think I did... I think I did all of my registered shoot that year. So I did target provincials, um, obviously indoor nationals, outdoor nationals, uh, and outdoor provincials. I think that was my four. I might've done one at the end of 2015. So I had five scores I submitted. And then at the end of 2016 is when they picked the world team. So, and I think it was like September or something, 2016, I found out that I had made the, uh, the world team, the Canadian national team which is exciting to go to Worlds. And then Worlds in 2017 were held in Robion, France, which is the very south of France. Um, so that's the 3D archery uh, world competition. Um, there is like Canadian national themes for target shooting and whatnot, but I do 3D mainly. Um, and then, yeah, the 2017 Worlds was my first, like, other than like, obviously national competitions are large competitions, but uh, the biggest scale 2017 Worlds was uh, my first large international competition wow less than two years nice. yeah it was crazy i did a lot of like i said it largely literally became my whole life <laughs> in the 2015 2016 so uh that's awesome um so now with regards to that so you um you went to the worlds um is, is there a difference between the rules between national and world rules or are they identical rules i know in some no. conditions they're different but yeah they're a little bit different um like if I was going to shoot in provincials here, one example would be like there is for compound shooting, you can shoot. I think there's like known 50, there's fixed pins, there's 
adjustable sites or something. I don't actually know all the categories for a compound because I don't shoot compound. But I know in BC there are more categories. Uh, once you go up to the world level, uh, it's just compound. So there's in worlds, there's longbow, which is what I shoot. There's instinctive, there's barebow, and then there's compound. There's just the four categories. There's more categories here. Um, yeah, so it's, it's other than that, as far as I know, I don't know a lot of the other classes. I just kind of focus on my own. But as far as I know, the the um, rules are, are similar, just not completely exact. Um, obviously, I because I, I go to the worlds, I pay attention to what the world rules are. And that's how I shoot. Like I don't use other equipment that, you know, the provincial level may allow. I, I try and stick to what world archery says is allowed and just to keep me on my game, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to do a deep dive into like the, the worlds in 2017 and 2019 and plans for 21. Um, but before we do yeah. that, let's just talk a little bit about um, the components of it. So you mentioned the four types of 3D, compound, bear, long, and instinctive, um, and mm -hmm. you're exclusively long. But um, is, and there's outdoor as well. Is there any world outdoors and world indoors, or is it just a world outdoor period? Um, it's what I shoot is outdoor. So it's outdoor 3D archery. So um, for 3D, you shoot at, at different distances, um, at different elevations. Obviously, you're outdoors, so if there's wind or rain, you have to take that into consideration as well. Um, I've only ever done indoor shooting for, like, target shooting, which is just on the provincial level, uh, more of just for fun. Um, but mainly for competition, it's all 3D, which is all done outdoors. There is uh, – Canada does hold an indoor, indoor 3D national shoot, but for Worlds, it's all done outdoors. Okay, sounds great. So now, with regards to that, um, the scoring system. So that my understanding, there's two types of uh, scoring. There's the ASA and the IBO International Bow Hunting Org. Is that the ones you guys use as IBO for 3D, or what scoring systems do you use um, for the world? Um, I don't know what the scoring systems are called, honestly. So you you know more than me on that one. Right. But um, so normally we shoot at like a, a 3D target, so they're shaped as animals, like deers or moose or elk whatever they have bears um and there is anywhere on the body would be a five points and then there's uh an eight ring and then there's a 10 ring and then there's a very small 11 ring in the very center and it's kind of where the kill would be on a regular animal for hunting okay cool so um with that now how do they set the distances is, is it a predefined like they're going to be between uh three meters and 30 meters or, or obviously those not that far but is there is it predefined the distances or how does that work and how do you and obviously that's part of it judging distances and all that sort of stuff so mm -hmm. what's your range of shooting with that um so for worlds the farthest shot you'll get is uh 30 meters so 33 yards yeah that's and obviously they're not going to put like a small honey badger out that far they're going to put like a moose or something larger of an animal to shoot out that far although sometimes they do trick you sometimes they'll throw a mosquito out at 25 yards and that's a lot um but yeah part of the archery is you definitely have to you know walk up to the shooting lane and decide in your mind like okay that looks like it's 10 yards okay that's probably a little bit past that 12 yards you kind of have to figure out your distances on your own because you're obviously not allowed uh range finders on the range um yeah so the farthest distance is the 30 30 meters you don't know what they're going to be you just have to walk up and figure it out each target you go to mm -hmm. um there's no set distances of what they can put out that far what they can't um close shots i don't know i think closest are like five yards or something I haven't seen anything closer than that, really. And then they can decide if they want to put it like straight up a sheer cliff or straight down or, you know, flat plane or whatever. So those are definitely all factors you have to consider. Very cool. Shooting. 
So now with the shooting system, um, like you said, there's the 11, 10, 8, and 5. So you've got your target, and uh, your high ratio shot is like, uh, like if you hit the animal, you're getting a 5. And then, you know, your you're pretty good uh, bet is the 10. But they put the smaller mm-hmm. target at 11. But if you miss that, you're ending up in the 5, right, or uh, 8 or whatever. So Well, yeah, yeah. Or if you miss a target, you get a 0, obviously. Right. So with that scenario, are you, like with your level of skill, are you shooting the high ratio shot saying, hey, I'm going to be happy with an 8 or a 10, or everyone you're kind of planning that 11? Or is it depending on the conditions, on the range, on the weather? Yeah, it really de- I feel like it really depends. Like, obviously, if there's a target really far out, I'm going to be happy if I – it depends. I feel like it's a really far target, small target far out. I'm going to be going for, like, obviously an 8 I'd be happy with. It also depends on, like, if you're shooting a bear target because they're up and down – if you shoot a little high and you can drop into the 10 or drop into the eight, I'd be happy with that. Um, whereas if it's a smaller body of a 3d target, like sometimes you aim a little bit farther back to just make sure you get the five rather than a zero. So it really depends on the shoot or on the shot. Sorry. Uh, when you walk up to it, you kind of have to decide, obviously I want to go for tens all day long, but it doesn't always happen. <laughs> so, um, a quick question on that. So when you, when you go and do a course, um, is there, there's X amount of targets. Is it like, you know, you're going to shoot at 20 targets or is it variable depending on, um, I think, I think worlds, I can't remember. I think it's either 20 or 25, uh, targets for a, for a course. And then you do two, two courses in a day usually, but you get a little break in between. Okay. And the course itself, you guys don't see it ahead of time. It's literally you, the first time you're seeing that course is when you're on it. Yeah, yeah, you don't know, you don't know what the terrain, I mean, especially for worlds, you don't know what the terrain's going to be like. When I went to France, you had no idea what the terrain would be like. Um, the plus side of when we went to uh, worlds in 2019, it was held in Canada, so you kind of know what the terrain in uh, northern Alberta, Canada is going to be like, but uh, you don't, you don't get to see the course before, you don't get to walk the course before, you have no idea what you're walking into. Cool. So now for, for you as a shooter, uh, first time on the course, you show up. Um, obviously, judging distance is probably one of the most critical things. Like, obviously, other than the skill itself of, you know, being able to hit something, but knowing your distance, uh, you know, my experience with archery is that's the critical point. Um, you know, there's other factors, weather and all these other things. But, um, you know, how do you refine that? Do you, are you, like, when you're training, are you out with a range finder and you go and, okay, that's seven yards? And then you range it, yeah, seven. Obviously, that's a pretty easy one. But something like a twenty-two or something like that. Um, how do how do you plan for something like that? And how critical is that in your like in your success, really? Um, I guess you get a little bit of leeway in that. Like, if I gauge a target at twenty-four yards and it ends up being twenty-two, it's not going to affect the shot a lot. Um, you'll just drop a little bit farther. So then maybe I'll be hitting an eight rather than a ten. Um, at, at home, I know, like, I have a target set out, and I know where, you know, we have an 18-yard spot, or we have, like, a 10-yard spot, or, like, we know where the shots are, so just based on doing that all the time, you kind of, just your eyes learn how far away things are, and then also, right before Worlds uh, 2019, the last one I went to, um, I would, when I would go for, like, a hike around the lake in Logan, like, I would stop at a certain point and be like, okay, I think that tree's you know, uh, that's a 10 spot. So that's going to be 20 yards. Um, okay. I think it's about 22 yards. And then I'd have a range finder and check to see how close I was to that. And I would just do that, um, 
a few few days a week to make sure I was getting my distances right because it, it definitely does you know play into your success of the shots obviously if you're wrong on every target of yardage you're not gonna shoot very well right absolutely so uh do you have uh, what? What would be your best score? Like, a, what? Like, what's a good score um, in the system, and what? What would be your best score? Mm-hmm. Would you say? Do you have, have a number? <sighs> to be honest, I never. It it totally changes, right? It's it's totally dependent on the course. Like, you could get a really hard course, whereas all the targets are from twenty five to thirty yards, and they're small targets. So you could get a really you could be shooting fives all day, but half the other people miss the targets. So then that could be a really great score that day. Or it could be all the targets are at ten yards, and they're all large animals, and you could be getting tens all day, and then that's a a great score that day. So it you know there's not like a baseline gauge of what I'm trying to shoot at. Um, yeah, and. I, I, I can't, even if I had a number of what my best day shooting was, it's kind of irrelevant based on what the course was set up like that day or, or what the conditions were. So it's, it's hard to say what a, a good score is. And I actually don't, I can't even think of what some of my stats would be for, for that, for scoring wise. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So um, let's talk about um, uh, technique, I guess, really. So obviously with a long bow, sightless um, and, it's basically on instinct, really. So, so what's your skill set when you're? Um, and let's not talk about weather, other factors. Just a basic shot. Um, you know, mm-hmm. what are the, some of the things that you're considering when you're when you're making your shots, and and um, some of the skills that you've made made you successful? Yeah. So I, like you said, I obviously shoot longbow. So with the longbow class, it's literally just a piece of wood, piece of string that doesn't touch. It, it, well, it touches the bow where it connects to the bow, but it doesn't touch anywhere else. Um, and then with longbow class, you have to shoot wooden arrows. Um, so that makes it a little bit more difficult because you have to, I mean, each arrow is different. They all have a little bit different grain, a little bit different weight, a little bit, like some of them could be twisted a little bit. Like, obviously I don't shoot the twisted ones. I figure out which ones those are and get them out of the, out of the batch. Um, but that definitely plays a factor and you kind of just have to learn your arrows because each one, again, like I said, is a little bit different. Um, for, for skill set, sorry. Um, I can shoot with a glove or a tab. You kind of choose which one works better for you. Um, I, I've always been shooting with a glove, um, but with a little bit of recent research, I'm kind of switching over to a tab just because it's a little bit smoother of a release. Um, obviously, when you go up to shoot a, shoot a target, you kind of have to walk through the steps of it. Um, so obviously, like square up your hips, square up your shoulders, uh, get your bow arm out, and then you kind of pull it back, make sure you're at your anchor kind of. There's usually two spots that you should anchor on your face just so you know you're always at the right spot. Um, so pull back. I always kind of breathe out and then release at the bottom of a breath usually because then you're more stable. Well, I find I'm more stable. I don't know how other people feel. Um, and then you kind of want to pull your shoulder back for like back tension to release that way. And then it's a lot more of a smoother release. But every time you shoot, you kind of have to step up and go through those steps every time to make sure each shot is going to be the same and be consistent. And obviously the more you practice that, the more you don't have to like, okay, step one, step two, step three, you don't have to do that in your head every time, but you kind of just becomes the second nature to walk through it every time. Okay. Very cool. So you mentioned for three uh, D's, the part of the, the rule is it has to be wooden arrows. Um, does the bow have to be wooden as well? Because I know there's the fiberglass technology. Are you allowed to use that or is it exclusively wooden? Um, so only in my class, you have to shoot wooden arrows. If you're shooting instinctive or bare bow, you can obviously shoot carbon or uh, aluminum arrows. Um, in longbow, I'm pretty sure you're, 
again, I know my bow is allowed. It's world certified. I know it, it matches, but I don't know what the rules are on if it has. I'm pretty sure you're allowed. Like my bow, I'm pretty sure has fiberglass along the inside panels of the wood. Um, and I know that's allowed. I don't know what the actual world rule is, though. Cool. Um, and the arrows themselves, like obviously lots of archers will build their own stuff. Um, do you put any effort into that or you just buy your stuff off the shelf? And how, No, how I don't know. <laughs> I don't know much about arrow making or even like, I don't know, the signs behind archery. But I'm, I get, I tell my bow maker what obviously I'm kind of looking for, like spine between. So I shoot right now, I'm shooting a 42 pound bow. So my spine should be kind of, you know, 40 to 45 around that. Uh, like the spine of the arrow, how much it'll flex. Um, so I just kind of tell my bow, my, sorry, my arrow maker what I'm shooting and he'll send me like a test kit and then I pick a spine out of that and then he makes the arrows fully for me because I, <laughs> that is an art. Wood arrows is an art and I don't have the skill set to, to take that on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, just curiosity, do you, do you carry binos with you? Are they a lot? I know range finders obviously aren't, but I know some people when they shoot 3D, they'll use um binos do you use those or is that prohibited in worlds as well no the worlds will they'll check your binos and make sure um they're certified or whatever and they cover up any markings you could have like my logo is covered up on my binos because they don't want you to use it for any type of aiming although i don't know how you would but they yeah i definitely carry binos um to look at the targets um yeah, but obviously no range finder or anything. And I and I practice even at the family fun shoots or even in the backyard. I'll use, I'll use the binos just to kind of get used to them and help me out that way. Cool. Um, so you talk about practicing shooting. You've got a range set up in your backyard. Um, so when you were training for, you know, you started out um, 2015, Worlds in 17 and 19. What is your, and I, we were talking offline and, and uh, you said 20 has been a bit of a rough year with COVID um, <laughs> in terms of training wise. What is your training what do your trading regiment look like? Um, and let's talk a little bit about 19 because uh, that was your greatest success. Mm -hmm. What did that year look yeah, like? Uh, like, let's back it up 12 months. And what did it look like training wise up to the worlds for you? Yeah, so in 2018, um, I did indoor target provincials. And then I did outdoor, um, outdoor BC provincial, outdoor provincial uh, 3Ds. And then outdoor nationals. I don't think I did internationals in 2018. Um, but yeah, and up to those shoots. So I did those three major competitions and then obviously got named to the, no, actually, sorry. Uh, I'm just thinking of how I made Team Team Canada in 2019. So you had to shoot 2018 outdoor nationals. Then you had to shoot 2019 outdoor nationals. And then they chose the team right after outdoor nationals in 2019. So that was a really quick turnaround. So obviously in 2018, 2019, I was getting in like tip top shape, I guess, so that I can make the Canadian national team in 2019. Um, so obviously going into outdoor nationals, I was, I was in the shape that I would like to be to go to the worlds because when 2019 um, outdoor nationals ended, they picked the, the Canadian team then and a month later, you're going to worlds. So that was kind of a unique experience because worlds were held in Canada trying to trying to be in peak performance to go to the worlds um i was probably shooting i mean i probably should shoot more than i do as as i always say um i probably shoot i don't know three times a week or so like we were chris and i um run the archery range in logan lake like we run the club there um so we would have a club night every monday night so of course that was a day i would go and shoot and then i'd probably pick a couple of other nights 
I don't know, two or three other nights um, throughout the week that I'd either go out to the range where there's more variety of targets or I would just shoot in a backyard um, to keep up with training, I guess, for the world. <clears throat> oh, that's awesome. So um, you talked about your coach um, that got you into it was uh, Brock. Um, and I guess he'd probably be your main mentor, would you say? Um, do you have any other mentors that you look up to or anyone that supports you with regards to your training and, and um, you know, the in, being in the, in the shooting world? Um, obviously, Brock got me started. Um, and then when I moved to Logan Lake, obviously, I can't really shoot with him that often anymore. Um, Chris definitely helps me a lot, too. Like, he is really good at the technical aspect when I am not. So he kind of watches me shoot and breaks it down and tells me what I've done wrong. Sometimes I'm not as receptive to what he has to say, um, but he definitely helps me out a lot. And then there's a, a couple in uh, Infiniton Lake, uh, Mark and Katie Britton that we, Chris and I shoot with often and um, they help me out as well. So probably the three of them, they're, none of them are like certified coaches or anything, but they know a lot about archery and obviously can pick out things that I could be doing wrong or give me pointers and, so them three and then also it's just like self-taught you know beyond beyond after not having Brock as a, a coach anymore I kind of learned what I know on my own kind of and just broke down my shooting just the, the more you practice the more you learn what's going right and what's going wrong so yeah I don't really have a coach right now cool so you know I get the impression that uh, the archery world it's um, you know there's a lot of camaraderie and support um, some competitions in certain areas are ultra competitive, right? Like it's, uh, you know, like it, there's no camaraderie. It's just, you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, get the uh, I find that everyone with that, with archery, right? So is that accurate? Um, like even when you go to the worlds, obviously you're serious and, but do you find like, you know, it's like, you know, figure skating type stuff where you're like, oh, there's the French team and you're like, oh, they're the enemy here. <laughs> or is it kind of more of a, like a, a close-knit community? What does that look like for for the archery world, the 3D outdoor archery world? Yeah, I think um, definitely more on the camaraderie. How do you even say the camaraderie <laughs> um, aspect? Um, like everyone in BC is mainly who I shoot with. Um, they Everyone in the archery community is fantastic. Like some of my best friends I've met through archery. Um, everyone tries, like, I welcome people who want to be like my quote unquote competition. Like, I want to help you out because I want you to get as good as me. And I want everyone to be able to, you know, have the experiences that I've gone through. Even, I mean, even at the worlds, like I remember one day I was shooting with a girl from Italy and Sweden and it was pouring down rain this one day. And of course I just had like a rain jacket. I didn't have a rain coat or anything, or uh, sorry, I didn't have an umbrella. And I remember the Italian girl, I think is the only one that had the umbrella. And as the one person goes up and shoots, the other three girls were all huddled under this one girl's umbrella. She's like, get under the umbrella. And she's trying to like help everyone out. Or like if someone, I remember also another girl in the group at Worlds didn't have anything to cover her um, arrows. So the, the feathers, you want to keep them dry, obviously. Um, she didn't have anything to cover it. So I had a couple extra like Ziploc bags I gave to her and then she covered up her arrows. Like I, we all want to help each other out because we also want to, you know, shoot against the best competition there is out there. We don't want to win by, you know, something that you didn't actually win by your skills that you won by you know not helping out your fellow archers you, you always want to help each other out really uh very cool it sounds like a you know great environment and uh you know a great community and stuff like that and so i know dealing with you like i've talked to you before about this you guys i think every summer you guys host an event um and i think it's in logan lake isn't it um isn't there a, 
uh, a big event you guys host there every year? Yeah. So like I said, there's provincial like or family fun shoots across the province. Um, all the different clubs will host their own. Um, and it's just a chance for everyone to, it's usually a weekend thing. Everyone goes out, has like a, a camp out, shoots archery in the morning, has a little camp out in the, in the evenings and whatnot. Um, so yeah, in Logan, like we host one every Father's Day weekend. Um, obviously it was going before Chris and I moved to Logan Lake, but it had kind of shut down. The people that were running it didn't want to, didn't want to do it anymore. So when Chris and I moved to Logan Lake, we took over the club and we posted, um, continued hosting the Father's Day shoot, which honestly is the like it's infamous in the in our tree community everyone wants to go to the logan lake father's day shoot it's like the one everyone always wants to attend we probably had the first year chris and i took it over we probably had i don't know three 300 archers or something come to it over the two days most of them staying for both days um i think it's the largest uh 3d shoot in the province like fun fun shoot in the province which is pretty cool that chris and i are able to put that on and continue it because it we didn't want it to die out, so Chris and I were like, "We're taking it over. We're going to keep doing it." And it's yeah, it's it's a good experience doing that. That's fantastic. Are you guys hosting that again this year? Or is it shut down now with all the COVID stuff going on? You know, Chris and I talked about that the other day, and I asked him, and he said, "Ah, we're kind of fifty-fifty on it. We'd like to host it. Obviously, we we want to get archery started back up again because obviously through twenty twenty everything was canceled. We couldn't do any uh, shooting, so we we'd obviously love to love to do it again. And by June, we kind of hope we will be able to. But again, we don't." Who knows with the world of COVID, right? Like, you don't know what's going to happen. So hopefully, but not sure. Cool. Okay, so let's talk about uh, your your shooting and your competition stuff again. So let's uh, backtrack. Um, what would you say your greatest achievement? I think I know what it is, but I'm curious to uh, see if I'm <laughs> right on this. What's your biggest achievement? What do you consider your greatest success in the archery world uh, competition-wise? Um, well, obviously, the... There's one crowning achievement, but all of my accomplishments, I'm obviously pretty proud of because they got me to where I went. So um, I have seven national gold medals and then two silvers, and then I have seven provincial golds and uh, one silver over the years. Um, I've been named to Team BC four times. And then, well, I guess, yeah, I guess four times because 2020, they didn't obviously have a team. And then obviously been named to the world team twice. And then 2019, um, as part of the... Well, individually in 2019, I came fifth overall um, for individual shooting. But then for women's, like we had a women's team and that's how I won the the uh, silver world medal. And obviously a 3D archery silver medal is obviously my crowning achievement being that it's only the only silver world medal in in um, the province and one of five world medals in the whole country. So obviously I'm pretty excited about that. Um, obviously my only gold bigger than that is to get a gold but i'm pretty happy with the silver uh what a fantastic <laughs> achievement that's amazing that you were able to to do that and uh you know on the world stage uh it's unbelievable i, I was watching you through that and i'm cheering you on and i just you know and walk away with the silver is just unbelievable yeah and what's more exciting about that is getting a silver medal and getting it on like home soil like getting it in canada was awesome absolutely so can, can we backtrack? Um, going to France probably in 2017, that was probably a pretty big deal. You're going overseas on this world, you're on the world team. Um, can you talk to us about that experience of what it was like going over to France? Um, you know, a little bit, what was the training like, the run up, and then the experience of being there itself? Yeah. Um, obviously, I did provincials and nationals, both indoor and outdoor, in 
2017 before leading up to Worlds. Worlds were held in September, um, obviously in the south of France we talked about. Um, so leading up, I was obviously just practicing often <laughs> and going to as many shoots as I could to get the experience. Um, and then going to France, it was, you know, you can never, like, you can't really prepare yourself for a world event without going to it, you know? Um, <laughs> the world in 2017 was, it was a great experience and I I wouldn't change anything about the experience and I'd love to do it again. Like I would do that whole trip again, but there's, I think everything that could have went wrong on that trip definitely went wrong <laughs> on that trip. Um, I, I won't go into all the details, but one of the big ones is I remember uh, Brock and I, when we flew over there, um, they lost our luggage. They lost our luggage, our bows and our arrows. So we didn't have anything to shoot with. And we're like, well, we're here. It's kind of a vacation now because we can't even, we can't shoot. Wow. The airline had no idea where it was. Um, we missed like every time, every day that the team would go and practice at the world venue, we couldn't practice. So we're just like cheering everyone on, like looking at the sites and whatnot. Um, I remember we ended up, they ended up finding our bows, um, but they got delivered to our hotel at 10.30 at night the day before uh, competition started. Wow. So we had no like practice days beforehand. We didn't even like, we're going to bed. We didn't even, we're like, oh, well competition starts tomorrow. I don't, I guess we're not shooting. <laughs> and 10.30 and I are both show up. So, I mean, it, in the nick of time, it, it ended up working out. Um, but even still the next day you go out and, and shoot. Um, and it was obviously a great experience. I'm glad I was able to shoot and take part in it. But you're still a little frazzled from not having your equipment, not knowing if you were going to get it, not having any of the practice studies leading up to it. Um, obviously, there was no way for me to prepare myself for a world event. Like the pressure of that shooting is incredible. Like, again, no way to practice that. Um, great experience. I ended up placing 21st in the world as my first um, world event. Uh, I mean, I was pretty happy about that still. <laughs> 21st in the world. Um, I thought it was all right. Um, but obviously I progressed come 2019, so. Yeah, so with regards to that, um, talk about the nerves. Like, so you're you're showing up, your bow shows up at 10 o'clock at night. You probably had a shit sleep the night before uh, because <laughs> yeah. you just got your bow and you're, you know, and now, now you actually have to compete in the morning because you have your bow, but you haven't practiced. Um, so, yeah. you know, how, how were your nerves, like obviously you're nervous, but talk, talk about the nerves and, and how you manage that and, and how that, that aspect of it worked with, with regards to the, to the competition. Yeah. The good thing about doing so many uh, provincial shoots around the, around BC leading up to it is when you, you walk in, you don't always know what the terrain is going to be like when you go to these shoots in BC. And they're set up the same way as a world shoot would be. So you are like hiking through the hills and, and the trails and, and you don't know where the targets are going to be. You walk up on the target. And it's kind of the same setting as it is in BC, obviously just in France, so totally different landscape. Um, but going to so many shoots beforehand definitely kind of helps ease you into it. So when the first couple of targets, obviously in France, you're kind of shaking and you don't really know you know you're at the worlds and you're kind of nervous about that but after you get two or three targets in you kind of settle down and you're like okay it's just like i'm shooting at home it's just like a fun shoot like the targets are all the same um you know the shooting distance you know what they are you're just shooting with different people and i mean you get to know the girls in your group and again like i said everyone is so nice i remember in france um sometimes you're shooting like a rock wall is behind the target and like I mean, that has a little bit of nerve because if you miss the target, you're, you're breaking your arrow or like some of the shots were in like an olive orchard. So that was pretty cool. Um, but anyways, what I was going to say is <clears throat> shooting with the, the girls in my group at Worlds in France. Um, 
I remember like the rock walls, I, I broke so many arrows. And at the end of it, I actually had to call equipment failure because I had broken all of my arrows. <laughs> I think I had like two or three arrows that were, that didn't match, but to shoot them, they have to match. Um, so I had to call equipment failure. I had half an hour to go and like fix up my arrows and get new ones from our little you know, Canadian tent. Um, thankfully my coach, like Brock at the time had, uh, was done shooting, like he had done his round already. So I'm like in the tent with him, like frantically trying to put my arrows back together. And we got enough to, I think there was only three targets or something left. So I, I got it salvaged enough to uh, finish shooting that round. Obviously not my best day. Clearly I broke so many arrows, but but like the girls in, in my group were like trying to give me their arrows. They're like, oh, just shoot these ones. It's okay, like we'll get you through. And like, they're super helpful. So, I mean, it was quite an experience. Um, but once you start shooting, your nerves kind of, calm down you kind of just get in the flow of it and it's just like you're shooting at home you're, you've practiced with it, so you kind of know what you're doing so yeah, it's just the first couple of targets that kind of get you nervous but then it, it's a way of it passes uh very cool so 2017 was formative that was a big year for you first time on the world stage 2019 uh black labish so how big was 2017 in influencing that experience so obviously you went from 21st in the world to number two to win the silver medal how how pivotal was that 2017 experience into making your, your success in 19? Yeah, I don't think I would have done as well in 2019 if I didn't do 2017. Because um, 2017 was the year I kind of got, you know, got used to the, like the pressure shooting at the level of that competition, um, meeting the other archers from across the world. Um, and then 2019, obviously, you're kind of used to the international competition as used to you can get to it i guess um and obviously 2017 worlds was such an experience that i wanted to continue and do 2019 so it kind of made me want to keep doing it i guess is how i got and, and it, coming home from 2017 you're like okay i gotta do that again so then it makes you practice more so then i think that's why i did so well in 27 or 2019 sorry is because i wanted to do so much better than I did in 2017. And I know I could if I put the time and energy into practicing and and uh, pushing myself forward to, in 2019. Cool. So talk. let's talk about 2019 now. So we talked about 2017, what went wrong, what you learned from it. Um, did your training regime, like, you know, what would you attribute, and aside from not having any arrows and any bows, um, <laughs> what would you attribute the biggest difference in 2019 to your success? Was it training? Was there equipment changes? Um, was it, you know, the experience? What would you attribute the biggest factor to your success in 19? And, and what did that look like in Labish? Yeah, I don't know if there's like a biggest factor. It'd probably be just a, like uh, a few small things like adding up. Obviously, I practiced a lot more. Um, I got better arrows, um, just more better arrows tuned to my bow. So that definitely helped. And then practicing more with those arrows to get to know them um, because they are the wooden ones and you kind of, need to know your arrows. Um, I also think uh, Chris helped a lot, uh, like watching me shoot, breaking down my shooting and how to like improve. So I, I was more open to help from other people, like tips from other people. Um, so I think that definitely helped. Yeah, I, more maybe attending more shoots across the province. I don't know if there's one one main thing, but I think it's just mainly like practice, practice, practice and know your equipment. And those are the biggest things that'll, I mean, get you moving ahead and obviously just, I don't know, attending more shoots to get into the competition mode and, and learn how, like calm your nerves in shooting under pressure, kind of. Cool. Um, so 
Lakobish. So you guys, did you drive up there? Did you fly? What did that, what did that whole experience look like? And what was the competition like? Um, and how long is the shoot? Like that, talk us through 21, what that looked like. Or mm-hmm. sorry, 19. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, so we, I drove up. I did not want to risk losing my bone <laughs> And I mean, it's just in Alberta. So me and uh, Katie, Mark and Katie Britton, um, we all drove up together because they were also part of uh, Team Canada. So we drove up together. Um, obviously, the first week we went a little early, so we had a few days of practice at the venue, and then also because it was held in Canada, the guy who was putting on Worlds in Laclavish, uh, Rennie, we were able to shoot at Rennie's house. He had a range at his yard in his yard that he had set up for the Canadian team. So we were able to, like, when you're shoot when you're practicing at the Worlds. There's so many other archers on the line that you have to wait to kind of get your spot on the line to shoot, to practice. Whereas if we went to Rennie's house, there's nobody in our way. We could just keep shooting, keep shooting, keep shooting, practicing before world. So I definitely think that helped a little bit, a kind of a little home advantage for the Canadian team. Um, so practice before, a few days before. And then when competition started, um, I think I think it was 20 targets. Although it could have been 25. I, I can't remember how many targets were on the range. Um, you do two rounds in the first day and then you do two rounds in the second day. Um, and the first round, you're kind of just put with anyone else in your in your category. Like you don't, you're not set with any um, country. And then you go through the first day um, with that same group. And then they rank you based on your scores, obviously, at the end of day one. And then so the first the top four shooters are going to be shooting together on day two and then the next four and then the next four. So you're you're shooting on day two with people who kind of scored similar to you. So the top competition is with the top competition. So I obviously was in I think I placed third on my first day and then I shot with the other girls that were in top three or top. There were four of us. So sorry, the top four and then go through the two rounds on that. And then at the end of day two. I had I was still sitting in third place uh, for individual shooting for um, you go out you shoot I think it was the top eight so it was like number I can't remember how they figured it out but like I was shooting with one girl and then if you beat her then you go to the next one you go to the next one and you keep like moving yourself up in these elimination rounds and then it came to the last round so I was shooting for uh, fourth or fifth I think it was and then. Yeah, so because then the fourth person would go to the bronze medal match. Um, so I ended up. It came down to one target, and I I think I shot a five, or and she shot shot an eight, or I shot an eight, she shot a ten. Or it was very close. It came down to one target, um, which ended up knocking me out. Um, so I ended up fifth in that. But that didn't like end my journey at the worlds, obviously. So they also do team shooting at the worlds. So it's a com- combined score of the top compound shooter. Um, it has to be a compound, a longbow, and uh, either instinctive or a bare bow. Um, they add those scores together. So the top compound shooter uh, from the female Canadian on the Canadian team, um, their her score, uh, obviously the top longbow shooter, which was me. My score gets combined with the compound score, and then the recurve or instinctive score gets added to that. So it's like a combined score of our three top scores, and that's how you make a team. Um, and then team shooting same kind of situation you go head to head in elimination rounds and you keep going um you, you shoot at targets and then it's a combined score i, I maybe make it it's a little bit <laughs> too complicated but um anyway so the combined scores got us the world's uh, women's team and then you sh- we shot well enough to that was watching us that wasn't part of the um 
who isn't part of the team sport, they're watching to find out if we're going to gold, the gold medal match or this or the bronze medal match. And um, I remember walking up to the target and they're waiting to find out what the score was. And that they don't know until the judge puts it up. And I remember just putting my hand in the air and just like fist pumping in the whole Canadian team, just like riots. They were so excited that we had, uh, we're going to the gold medal match. That was probably one of the best moments of the, of worlds, obviously. All right. I think we're back in business. Um, yeah. Okay. Steve, back to you. You, you obviously were running with something there. So I'm, I'm <laughs> that on, so. well, I, I, I asked her where on the uh, the target she hit. Okay. She said she yes. gave an eight. I, so. I got an eight over a so five, you did, so that was very exciting. <laughs> you, you didn't, we just uh, went over. Um, go ahead. Yeah, you didn't panic and uh, totally biffed the shot. Yeah, that's totally what I, well, I would have done. I would have yeah. been like, I'm going to put it right into the belly, just hit center mass. <laughs> <laughs> what I was, I don't know if you caught this, Kyle, but what I was just telling Steve is that the other two girls had already shot their arrow and they were telling me, they knew if I just hit the target, I, we would be advancing to the gold medal match. And she just she just kept tapping me on the shoulder. She's just hit the target, just hit the target, just hit the target. And I was like, okay, like, obviously I know how to shoot. I can hit the target, but like that puts a little bit of panic yeah. in you. And you're like, am I going to hit the target? Can I hit the target? Yeah. <laughs> um, ended up obviously hitting the target. We went to the silver medal match or the gold medal match and got a silver. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> that element of self-doubt, right? Is nothing on the line, right? It's not like, and it, you know, it's one of those things when it's yourself, but now it's the, the entire country, your team, you know, <laughs> all that, right? So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you probably <laughs> see a person going, just hit the target. So, like. I know, just right beside Just hit the target. <laughs> 40, 40, million okay. people, 40 million people in Canada going, just hit the target. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just Could it. you imagine if I missed that? Oh, my God. That would have been <laughs> devastating. <laughs> but, no, we, we, we hit it, so we're okay. Uh, but that's the kind of pressure shooting you you can't practice you know like like i mentioned there's nowhere to you know calm your nerves to that or, or practice that kind of pressure shooting you kind of just have to wing it and kind of shoot yeah in the in the moment you kind of just have to calm yourself down and, and walk yourself through like your shooting steps and then obviously it works out for me so <laughs> that's awesome so 2019 was a huge year second in the world um so 21, I believe, the world's are in Italy. Um, is that still a go, or what does it look like? Is it all on hold now because of the pandemic? Yeah, so it was supposed to be in Italy in 2021, but they pushed it back, so it'll be 2022 in Italy. Hopefully they don't push it back again. Um, and all of our competitions, obviously, last year were canceled. I was One of our outdoor nationals were being held in PEI, and obviously I want to attend outdoor nationals but i was more excited to just go to pei <laughs> and that obviously didn't happen so this year hopefully it is supposed to be in july again in uh, pei so hopefully those go through and then that shoot is where they um determine who will be on the canadian world or canadian national team to go to the worlds in uh, 2022 very cool that's awesome so um, obviously, number two in the world, that's a pretty big achievement, um, but there is that one spot left there. Is that a, a priority? <laughs> what, what's your goals, I guess? What are you looking at? Are, you know, do, you, do you have something you want to achieve, or what are your thoughts? Yeah, so obviously I want to keep shooting competitively within the province and country. Uh, obviously, I want to make Team BC again. I want to make the, the national team. I want to keep getting gold national medals. Um, and then beyond that, um, once I make the Canadian national team, so individually in, in, in 2019 at the world's 
for my individual score, I ended fifth. Um, and then with team shooting, I did get the the silver. What I really like to do because because team shooting, you can't really count on, I guess, because I, I don't know how the other girls would be shooting or if they're going to be attending or, or whatnot. Um, obviously, if I could get a gold in team shooting, that would be fantastic. Um, but individual is what I can control. So obviously, I would like to um, either obviously a goal, a gold would be the ultimate goal. But if I medal individually, I, I will take a first, second or third at Worlds uh, for an individual shooting. So that's my big goal going going to Italy and being on the on the medal stage again. That's awesome. So now, are you still shooting pretty frequently in the backyard, or are you just kind of like this this year? You really put it on the back burner, or what? Um, in well, because everything was canceled in 2020, I should have been keeping up with my shooting. Um, but when I don't have something to work towards, like a competition, it's a lot harder to actually keep going. And also, I mean, 2020, we we obviously the world. <laughs> was crazy um but i took on other things like chris and i did more fishing um we built the wood shop outside like there was a few uh oh we built a greenhouse like we did so many other things that i i didn't felt like i needed to also keep shooting so it was a nice break um but definitely i want to get get back to it so just recently kind of at the beginning of january i decided I need to get get back to competition and and so i need to start practicing again so i've kind of been breaking down my shooting this year um, so far, I, I got a brand new bow, kind of a more competition level, long competition level long bow. Sorry, um, and I'm getting some new arrows, kind of tuning them specifically for my bow. Just kind of upping my equipment, um, upping every aspect I can to just make sure my equipment is in peak, and then obviously just continue practicing myself so that I'm also along with my equipment in T. Peak performance. <laughs> um, I, I can't talk today. Um, yeah, so in 2020, no, I didn't really practice that much. I should have. Um, but now um, into 2021, obviously, I'm practicing a lot more um, because, I mean, competitions are scheduled to start in April. Who knows if that'll actually happen or not. But if I can practice to get up to those, I mean, I kind of feel like they won't happen, but it's I'm going to practice like they will happen. It's, it's tough <laughs> to say, right? It's it, the thing. Yeah. You really don't know. Changing, you're outside enjoying the fresh air and that's the way to look at it, right? You're outdoor yeah. competition. So who knows? The nice thing about at home right now is I've been practicing <laughs> indoors. Like we have a long enough hallway downstairs in the basement that I can shoot up to 18, 18 meters mm. indoors. Yeah. So Although it's minus 27 outside in Logan Lake, I am not shooting outside. <laughs> I'm shooting indoors where it's nice and warm and I can actually yeah. actually practice. I, I got a, a long basement as well and I could shoot with my compound down there, but I I don't want to explain to the wife why I, I missed, right? And I don't have that kind of pressure like <laughs> you did with just trying to hit the body and just... Yes. The house, right? So <laughs> we do have one hole in our wall. Blame Chris. Blame Chris. Yeah, it was Chris. It wasn't me. <laughs> it was not me. Awesome. Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully, competitions happen this year. Yeah, for sure. For everybody's sake. Yeah. Get your back. Yeah. Out yeah. I, I don't. I don't know if it's been answered, but why do you pick a longbow over a compound or anything else? Um. You know, I've never actually, I remember I won a compound bow at a competition once and I ended up trading it for a recurve with the company, um, which Chris shoots that bow now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even shoot it. Um, I've never shot a compound bow. Um, I guess I chose recurve, or sorry, I chose longbow. Yeah. Um, 
probably for one because that's the equipment the club had when I started so that's what Brock had in his club to give me to start with um and then I don't know I it's probably because it's the most like quote-unquote basic like once you get up to a compound bow I know I don't know a lot about compounds so I might sound silly (laughs) but like there's like sights and there's like peepholes and there's like releases like all these things make a difference obviously and that is just so technical to me and it's just too much for me to get into. So longbow being the most basic, you have a, a essentially a piece of wood for the bow, you have a string, and you have wooden arrows. So, I mean, that's like, <laughs> oh, and I guess you have a glove or a tab. But, right. I mean, those, that's all the equipment I'm ever going to need. And once I, like, get that down to a T and, like, figure out all of that equipment, it's not going to change on me. I don't need to, like, update my my uh, sights or whatever. You have to update in compound bow. So it's the most basic, and it's... I understand the the parts of it, so <laughs> and it's, I like it for that reason. And, 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 and you know, I also like shooting wooden arrows. Like nobody, right. if I tell someone I shoot wood arrows, they're like, "Oh, that is like that's crazy." Like why why would you not shoot carbons? And I mean, you do have an advantage shooting a carbon arrow or or a recurve bow um, in that you have more choices in bows, more choices in arrows. Obviously, carbon arrows are all going to be the exact same because they're all mm-hmm. machine made um what arrows they come from nature so they're all a little bit different um i kind of like that better and i like learning the arrows learning how they all shoot oh, a little sure. bit different for sure it's I'm, I'm the opposite though i shoot a compound so i i find the instinctual the long bows the recurves way more intimidating <laughs> I, I, and i don't know why it's just it's just i, I was handed a compound and said try this and yeah, yeah. There's, there's all distinctive. Uh, June would be uh, BC provincials, outdoor provincials, and then also in June, hopefully Chris and I are able to host our Logan Lake mm-hmm. 3D shoot, and then July would be outdoor nationals, and then at outdoor nationals, I'll find out if I make the world team or the Canadian national team to go to the worlds, um, and then just keep practicing. Obviously, I want to go to all the, if they are hosted, all the like family fun 3D shoots across the province. Right. Um, but yeah, just those. One, two, three, four major competitions, I guess. Two provincial and two national. And then next year will be the same, those same four competitions and then hopefully Worlds. Yeah. 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 I know we have. uh, Pretty exciting. I've shot a few. I haven't shot any competitions, but I have done the outdoor shoots here. We got Silvertip here in Prince George. So. Oh, you know what? Um, That was, I think that was my first um, provincial shoot. They had uh, outdoor provincials there in 2016 2015 or 2016 i think it was 2016 and 2017 actually out at their range there and that's actually where i met chris oh through that awesome yeah and yeah so that was probably one of my first uh competitions that i've been to which was fun i like it up there it's really nice well right now it's minus 40 i remember actually yeah true at that competition i actually had a completely broken foot and i did that first my first competition provincial competition on crutches which was an adventure and and that course is nasty you got the ups and downs yeah it was brutal it was brutal Wow. (laughs) yeah that was a a memory i'm glad i did it though (laughs) (laughs) well awesome (laughs) Appreciate you taking your time with us and uh, good good luck in 2021. And well, yes. hope to see you in Italy in 2022 if that goes ahead. Yes, thank you so much. Awesome, thanks. All right, we'll talk to you later. See ya.
If you looked up the words conservation superhero in the dictionary, you would see a picture of our friend Omer from Precision Optics, a tireless donor and supporter of all things wild sheep. Precision Optics, located in Quinell, British Columbia, truly stands alone in the high alpine. From optics to rifles to outdoor gear and a knowledge that cannot be surpassed, toss in that killer smile and you have a total conservation package. Precision Optics, we are truly thankful for the support you show us every step of the way. Find them online at precisionoptics.net or in Aroma Foods, located just off Highway 97 in Quinell, BC.